0: this morning, 2 Timothy 3, we're going to continue, Uh, we took, (coughs) I'm taking the month of October to remind you of who you are, (laughs) okay, and uh, what we're doing is uh, there's cards on the back there above the um, offering box and they just say uh, Southwest Bible Fellowship is about and there's five that are listed there. They're on the overhead there in the bottom there. A gospel you can believe, a Bible you can trust, a study you can understand, a life you can live, and a purpose you can fulfill. And uh, we started last time looking at these and doing so really, we had this year's been really about the grace reset, resetting our thinking about the grace of God and the gospel and and the grace life and different things in it. And uh, I, I w- I've been asked over the years, you know, who are you guys? What do you believe? And uh, I, we kind of developed these out a little bit, and uh, just so that we would have an easy way to understand it, a gospel that you can trust, and that's the Apostle Paul's, my gospel. The very fact that Christ died for your sins, was buried rose again the third day, and your trust, your faith, your belief in just in that, faith alone, no works, no activity, no walking the aisle, no shaking the preacher's hand, no giving 10%, no, you can give 10%, but no, you know, none of that for justification, all right, we'll get, that's, that's the money talk later, okay, in the private hour, so if you've been invited to the private hour, no, then you're in, just kidding, we don't have a private hour, we're very vocal in this hour, aren't we, apparently, and we raise the kids to be vocal too, so that's good that's a good thing. Anyway, but when you think about a gospel you can trust the very the very fact, the power of the cross, the power of Christ crucified, the very fact that he did everything for you when you you fall short for for all of sin and come short of the glory. You fall short and we know that. If you're honest with yourself, you know that you fall short. You know that there's nothing good In you at all, you know that your your righteousness is filthy rags, Isaiah says, and that Christ died for your sins. And when he died, he paid that debt, that penalty. And we believe that we trust it, we commit ourselves to it, that act of faith. And this morning, we're going to move to the next one, and we're going to talk about a Bible that we can trust. And in doing so, you begin to think, talk about the Bible issue and so forth. And, and we, use a, we believe you have a Bible for English-speaking people. And by the way, you have to qualify it because there are other languages, and we'll see here in a little bit, where God anticipates, expects, demands, wants His, His Word in all the languages of the world. And we believe that for the English-speaking people, the King James Bible is the Word of God. And it's where you find the Word of God. And I know uh, when you get out there in, in, in the Christian Dumb, uh, and by the way, D U M B, okay, just so you know, I know how to spell the word Christian Dumb out there. You you find that well, it's whatever you think, and it's whatever, and that's not appropriate. That's that's incorrect. That's how human. That's how man thinks, and how religion thinks. And we've had folks that come here. Are they we, we had some folks that come, and, you know, how would you find about the church and so forth? Well, we, we Googled King James Bible, and you guys are the only ones that come up, you know, relatively close to us. Well, okay, that's, well, they didn't know, well, we never heard about this right division and dispensational stuff, so, so I'm like, well, give us some time, and work down through it and so forth, and then it's either a yay or a nay, and that's fine. But when you think about the Word of God, and you think about what's happening in it, Southwest Bible Fellowship. Bible's our middle word. Uh, we started last week uh, looking there at Second Corinthians uh, chapter four in our ministry verse, where he says, uh, "But have Second rena- uh, Corinthians four two. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But my manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God." And I had decided long before we ever went public or got into public ministry and so forth that we would never do something uh, hidden, things of dishonesty or walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word. I decided I wasn't going to do that. That's why I'll preach from a King James Bible. If you have a different Bible, that's between you and God. And what eventually will bear itself out is that Bible that you have that is not a King James Bible will bear itself out to not be the Word of God. And when you think about that, Bible became our middle name, and it's the the middle issue of, it's not the middle, it's the issue of our fellowship together. Coming in the double doors there above the door, there's a placard that says, what saith the Scripture? This isn't about what I say. If I told you what I think, nobody would be in the room, okay? (laughs) Or you'd pay me about $1,500 a head to come in and find out what I think. Say, It's not about what I think, what I think it should be this or that. It's what does God's Word say. And we're a Bible church. We're, our fellowship is around the Word of God and what saith the Scripture. And, and again, when you, when you say that and you stand for that, we don't say that we know the truth is the truth because it's how we feel about it or it's what we think about it. We know it's the truth because we have uh, we have more people than everybody else. We're the big church. Well, obviously we're not, okay? We don't say that. We say we believe what we believe because we're Bible believers and because the authority of our faith is sits in his word. And the author of our faith has given us a book That's completely different than any other book ever known in in human history. Because in that book, it's the book that reveals himself. And he reveals himself through a book. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, "...all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect." throughly furnished unto all good works. You see, we have a book, all Scripture, script, the things written down, Scripture is given. How's it given? By inspiration of God. It's given by, here, Jordan. No, it's okay. Somebody give that to Jordan. There you go. Well, no, I didn't, I, I meant for it to... Okay. Thank you, Jordan. There you go. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I didn't mean All scripture, all that's written down is given by inspiration and it's profitable. You see, the word of God comes in. It's profitable. It's doctrine, reproof, correction. Here's the doctrine. Here's the meat of it. Reproof. Okay, let's fix some bad bad activity, bad behavior, bad thinking. Let's a Correction, let's th- fix the bad doctrine, the doctrines that come in and mix. And all of that results in the instruction in righteousness. That's, so you've got to have all three to have the instruction in righteousness. And that's what's going to perfect you, mature you. When, when Paul uses that word perfect, it's not that you never make a mistake. See? It's never that you're right or wrong, all the t- you're right all the time. It's a maturing, it's a maturity issue. Because the question comes out is, how do we know, <laughs> how do we know who we are, and how do we know, you know, all, th- again, that question of, how do we know we're right and everybody else is wrong? See? That's the question. That's what comes up. And the answer to the question is it's because we have a book that tells us. Next week we'll talk about a study we can understand. We have a study that comes in and says you take God's word and you're going to study it the way God had laid out to be studied. We have a book that's different than any other book on the earth, found on the earth. In chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, Paul says, preach the word. Say Before you can preach the Word, you know what you got to know you have? The Word. you got to know you have it. So when you think about this issue, you have to know that you have, you possess the Word of God in your language. Come back with me to Romans 10. And what begins to happen, you know, I said it last week, I'll say it again, the old saying out there is we don't need to defend the lion, we just need to let the lion out of its cage. Folks, you don't need to defend God's word. You just need to put it on the table. You just need to get it out there in the in the in the in the in the the discourse of public information. In the in the marketplace of ideas, it has been called. You see, if you get the word out there, you put the truth on the table, it'll take care of itself. The problem is, is we tend to not do that. We tend to back away from it because we don't want to offend. Do you know what's offensive? not telling them the truth say Paul tells the Galatians, hey, are, are you you know you guys hate me and everything why? Because I tell you the truth. Here's, here's the truth. you know you have to know that you have the word of God. Romans 10 if you look there at verse 10, how, again, how can we say that we have a Bible that we can believe and trust? Well Romans 10:10. 10, 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart man does what? Believe. Your, your makeup of who you are, you're a spirit, soul, and body. That's who you are. And a component of your soul, a, a function of your heart, your soul. And he's not talking about the pump, the boom, 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 okay? We were out at the car show yesterday, and the guy charged up one, you know, started one up, and it's it's like, oh, that old Chevy sounds so good, you know. Well, today in the electric world, it's hmm, this thing is you know, it's got that thump going. It's like, oh, oh, you know, literally everybody at the show turned right to that car, you know, with the heart. The volition, the the will, the thought process. That that issue of your will. We call it, we part of your will is the volition, the the ability, the capacity to make a choice. When you make a choice to believe something, what we're talking about is faith, and and you got to think about this when it comes to the Word of God. I preach from a word of, uh, there was a day back in the early days when if someone says, I'm using a new Bible, then we would go toe-to-toe, fisticuffs, not literally, but just go at it. And one day it dawned on me, I'm not not doing any good here, just, I'm just going to teach from the King James Bible, let them come to a conclusion that their Bible they're using isn't, there's something up, okay? Because then it's, why? Because this is an issue of faith, honestly. Because faith, that ability to, the capacity to make a choice, to believe something, you see, faith is the action of your heart, of your will, where you begin to choose to trust something. I said it last week faith is not walking an aisle. Faith is the intimacy between you and God where you say, I trust your son. I trust what you say about your son. I'm going to rely on him. Come over to Ephesians chapter number one. Faith isn't you, isn't, by the way, faith isn't just agreeing with something. Faith isn't just knowing stuff. You know, you know a lot of stuff. Faith is believing something to be true. Faith is coming along and trusting, committing yourself to it. I've heard people oftentimes will say, well, I know that Christ died for my sins and was buried and rose again the third, the third day. But they never trusted it. They know it. The Lord, the, guys come to, the Lord says to them, you guys cast all these devils and do all this stuff in my name, but yet I knew you not. You see, you can do a lot of religious things and never trust, never commit to it. Ephesians chapter 1, if you look at verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Notice, trusted, trusted, and then believe. Trusted and believe. These two terms are, are, are synonyms. They're interchangeable. To trust something, to rely on it. Uh, we use 2 Timothy 1, we looked at this last week. 2 Timothy 1, by the way, we're going back to Romans 10. I forgot to tell you to hold. But 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, Paul talks here. He says, "For for the which cause I also suffered these things. The witch caused there about being the apostle and the teacher of the Gentiles. For, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, the day, the judgment seat of Christ, the end out there. You know what? I've committed, I've believed, I trust. And when I believe, I've committed myself to trusting him and trusting what he says to me. I'm relying on him. Come back there to Romans 10. I'm relying, I'm, I, t- so to believe, to, to have faith, to trust, is to have the confidence that they're going to do what they said they're going to do. When the Lord Jesus Christ says, when you, when you trusted me, I gave you a new identity, I gave you a co-identity with my son in my death, burial, and resurrection so you have a newness of life and then one day I'm going to come back and when I come back, the dead in Christ shall rise. Those which are alive and remain shall be caught up and that's what's going to happen. And we sit there and go, no, it's not. Based upon what? Well, Dr. So-and-so said, but wait a minute, God's Word said this is what He's going to do. There's going to be a lot of shocked people at the rapture, by the way. By the way, what gets you into the rapture? Calvary. That's it. That's why the, the, the verse says the will of God is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. A lot of people are going to get saved going to be shocked. What, well, I guess it was true. Well, woe was me. My bad. You know, They're not going to have time for that. Romans 10. You see, believing is more than just knowing. Believing is, I'm trusting, I'm committing, I'm relying on what you said. Romans chapter 10, a guy one time said, what would you say to the Lord if when you got to the gate to get into heaven, and he said, why would I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, I don't know what you would say, but I would say, based upon your word, (laughs) you said that if I trusted you, I'm in. And that's enough. Why? Because He's the God who cannot lie. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, when we trust Christ, when we come and we begin to trust His word, we're committing our safekeeping to Him. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So where is faith? By the way, we all have faith. Faith isn't the issue. It's the object of your faith that is the issue. We all had faith that when you sat in those pews today, they would hold you up. That's just an ingrained faith, boom. Okay? But you really had faith that Pastor Rick didn't go saw off the legs. Because you didn't know, yea or nay. You see, faith comes by the word of God. You hear something, faith then is going to trust something that someone has told you. I'm going to rely on this because the word of God tells me so. I'm trusting it. Come back to chapter 4 of Romans. Notice a great illustration of this. Chapter 4. I'm relying on, I'm trusting what someone has told me. So my faith is relying on who, who told me this. The object is the issue. The object has to be valid. The object is the point. Romans 4 verse 20, I'm talking about Abraham and Sarah. He said, he's, he's, verse 20, he, that's Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was able to perform. Where was Abraham's faith? But what did God say to Abraham? You're going to have a son. You're going to have a seed. Now, he, there's a chuckle in there because I'm like he's like, "Dude, I'm 100 years old and Sarah, I mean, come on, really." There's a natural chuckle there. But he Genesis 15, he believed God and his faith was counted unto him for righteousness. Mm-hmm. But notice verse 21. Well, verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God, but verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised Abraham's faith relied upon what God said and that Abraham believed that God could do what he said he was going to do. So faith isn't, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not some little mystical thing. It's just simply believing what someone told you. And the object of our faith is what is the issue. That's the key. If you ever say, well, Pastor Rick said, well, first of all, I'm going to say I didn't say it, but okay, so that's the case. All right, but you're not relying on what I said. That's what, what does the scripture say? Let's rely there. Come back with me to 1 John 5, 1 John chapter 5. So, in 1 John 5, look, if you will, here at verse 9. Just think about faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by The Word of God. Faith, relying on what someone's telling you. If you've ever been in a job interview and they tell you we are going to pay you X amount of money per hour to get started, and then you get there and it's less. Well, you believed them in the interview. So then what do you do? Now you go argue it out with HR because it's not what they said. What were you believing them in the interview? You were believing what was said to you. See, 1 John 5, verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he had testified of his Son. The witness of God, the record of God, is greater than the record of men. Verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. You see, the record, I want want you to see there now, this is Israel's program in the future and so forth. But look at the record, the written record. If you come back to to 1 Peter, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. You see, the issue here, the, you're, they're believing the record of God. What's producing the faith here is what God said. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, believing what God said. Look at 2 Peter 1 uh, verse 15. Peter says, For we have not followed cunning devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's Matthew 17. That's the Mount of the Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are caught up, and you know what they see? They see the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. They see the Son set as king. They see that. And Peter says, We told you about that. We weren't making it up. We weren't telling you fable stories. We were eyewitnesses of that account. But look at verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. You know what he says? He says, man, we were there. We saw it. We got three records here. We got the quorum set. We would all witness the same thing. Do you need two or three witnesses? But you know what Pete says? Peter says, you know what you better go do? You better go study the prophets because there's a, sure, a more sure word of prophecy. Don't take my account. You take the written word, and that's what you're going to go do. Preach the word, the scripture. You see, the value is in what you are relying on, not the believing part, the object. We all believe things. How many of you believe the Arizona Diamondbacks would have beat the Los Angeles Dodgers last night? That's a good thing. Nobody did. Well, one. He would have been right in the bet. See, believing in a baseball game is nothing but just just entertainment but believing in the Word of God that comes in and says, here's your eternal destiny, and if you're in Christ, here's what I'm going to be doing, and if you're not, here's where your ultimate destiny is, hell, the lake of fire. You see, there's a, the, the believing isn't, isn't the issue. The object, the value of the faith is faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's why Paul would say, preach the Word. Don't just preach an idea. By the way, that's what religion says out there. Christendom says about the Bible. It contains the message of God. It contains the idea. No, it is the message of God. See? it's Completely different viewpoint on it. I don't know where you're at, but you need 2 Timothy 3. I know where I'm at, but I don't know where you're at. 2 Timothy 3. So the faith cometh by hearing... The you're going to believe what you hear. And what are we hearing? God's Word. If I gave you some insider tip information, and you go do it, and it turns out to be wrong, say, well, Rick said, well, Rick's a liar, obviously, because it turned out wrong. But when you look in and you say, here, here's what God's Word says. Then that's what's going to be. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Scripture to write, it's the written word. Inspiration, inspiration. God takes his spirit and then takes him and puts his spirit into words, writing them down on the page. Come back to Hebrews 4, verse we're all familiar with. Hebrews 4, verse 12, about the Word of God. Hebrews 4, verse 12. You see, inspiration, it's the, oh, God breathed. But what did he breathe? He breathed the words on the page. The Holy Spirit, the work product of the third member of the Godhead, is the written Word. The Holy Spirit in Scripture always, 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 doesn't matter where you're at, starts in Genesis 1, ends at the end of the book of the Revelation. He always works with the Word of God. He never works alone. He never works outside of the parameters of God's spoken Word, written Word. In Genesis 1, verse 2, the Spirit moves across the darkness there, the deep, And in verse 3, and God said, let there be. And the Spirit's moving. He's working. He's active in what? And God said. I know what John 1 says, that Jesus Christ, the Word, He's the Creator. But God the Father's the Creator, and God the Holy Spirit's the Creator. They're all working, and they all have their own uh, 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 areas of operation. Hebrews 4, verse 12. I love this verse, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you know, you know that it's a discerner? That book is quick, it's alive, but you know what? It's quick too, i.e. fast. It's, it's, it's speedy. I know we get stuck on quick being alive, and yes, it is. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know why? Because your heart is deceitful and wicked. And you know, what, you know who lays that heart out open and bare for all to see? Is the Word of God. Now watch verse 13. You know what comes in and cuts you up? It's the Word of God. Do you know that when you think about your soul and your spirit, there's really no, nothing out there in, in human wisdom or human thought that answers that dichotomy and how to separate them? God's Word does. Comes in there and just cuts it. you study the philosophers. I've read them. They try to their best, and they, they come short. God's Word comes in there and just a discerner. I love that the thoughts the intent. When you come to God's Word with the intention to deceive, you know what the God's Word's going to do? He's going to give you the verses to use to deceive people. But He's also going to give you the verses that destroy your deception. It's interesting. One of the greatest uh, fallacies out there in, in religion is that Mary only had one child, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know Mary had other children. Okay, so you know what they do? They go in and they change children and brethren to cousins. But they miss the verse in Psalms that says, the children of my mother. Just It's hidden back in Psalms. It's not hidden, it's sitting right there. But they're focused over here, you see. Hebrews 4, verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, But all things are naked and open under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Isn't that interesting? He's talking about the Word of God in verse 13. The Word of God, the quick, the powerful, the sharper than two-edged, the divining of sun, it does all this stuff. It reads your meter. You read that book, it's reading you. And what is it doing? It's laying open, naked, everything. But it's also talking about God. (laughs) Why? Because the Word of God is in written form, the living God. It's just, there it is. And they're interchangeable. So when you face God's word, you are literally facing God the Spirit himself. You are literally meeting God face to face on the pages of your your Bible. That's why the Bible issue is an issue. It isn't to say that we're right and you're wrong or I know more than you know more and, or less or whatever. The issue is, is when you come to that book, those 66 books, you're coming and you are meeting God Almighty face to face because that's where he's chosen to reveal himself, 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He's revealing himself through the Spirit and the deep things, and it's in the words, That's why this is such an issue. That's why it's so critical to say, I have a Bible I can trust. And as we look into this, and as you begin to think about this, we have the Word of God. And that's how God has chosen to reveal Himself. He wrote it, and He preserved it inspiration. Go go back there to 2 Timothy 3. You have to think about this. By the way, you notice I haven't said anything about Greek and Hebrew or originals? Because all of that is, do you know that at one time there was never, never, ever, ever, ever all the originals in one place at one time? Never. Never. Well, yeah, they were. Dead Sea Scrolls. No. Nice try. You know how I know Because what did Moses do to the original Ten Commandments? He broke those bad boys up, didn't he? And then God said, come Come back up here, let's rewrite it. So he caused Moses to do what? Rewrite, copy up what he just, so those originals were never there. Okay? Okay? All right? So when you hear people say, well, all the originals, they've been taught that. By a system that doesn't want to acknowledge that God works through a book. And that book working in your inner man. Say, They want you to come to the preacher and say, preacher, tell me. And the preacher says, well, the Greek says, or the Hebrew says. And you know what happens? Now you've got to come to the preacher to get the definition and the, and the translating of the Greek and the Hebrew. So now I can sit here and say, well, the Greek word says, humba ya humba humba, and you need to, you know, 20% giving from now on. And you go, wait a minute. But you have no way to know because we're talking. I had a guy one time, I love people. I really do. It's just, I had a guy, oh, he came, he sat, he was with us for about six, eight months, and he had a Greek and an English Bible. And Hebrew, English, it had all in one. Big old thing. Looked like Keith's Bible. And he's yeah. like, oh, well, I know the Greek. And I go, really? I go, well, you know, he goes, it's right here. So I said, well, read that to me. And he starts reading the English. I go, no, 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 no. Don't read the English. Read the Greek. Yeah. He goes, well, I can't. I said, you can't? Well, yeah. What are we arguing about here then? Because I can read the English. So I have to have a Bible I can what? Trust say 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 All scripture is given by inspiration okay inspiration that's point number 1 doctrine number 1 inspiration that's usually that's the easy one God spoke it God breathed there it is but then preservation is the other bible doctrine and preservation is usually the part that gets messy that gets messed up because What preservation is, is what he writes down, he's going to preserve it out. Now, we're not going to run a bunch of verses. I put some verses up. We're just going to look at a few of them, okay? Because when you talk about preservation and inspiration, the two really go together. He speaks, God said, let there be. In him speaking, and then he's going to cause it to be written down. What he writes down is in order to preserve what he said. So inspiration demands preservation. I said it. Write it down. Let's keep it. Look at verse 16. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. Now, draw your eye back up to verse 15. And that from a child, thou, the thou here is Timothy, hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy, from a child, chapter 1, verse 5, grandma, and gra- mom and, and grandmother have taught Timothy scripture. Not just any scripture, but holy scriptures, the verse says. And Paul says, those holy scriptures that you learned back there as a child, Timothy, is able to protect you in the day, in in verse 1, the perilous time shall come right now. That's the salvation listed, by the way, in verse 15. The context context of verse 15 is verse 1, the perilous time shall come. Therefore, the salvation in verse 15 is not justification unto eternal life. It's rather, how do I get through the perilous time? And you can go back, honestly, into the Old Testament and find out how Israel got through perilous times. Do you know how Israel got through perilous times? They trusted God's word to them. So, Timothy, you're going to trust God's word to you. All scriptures given by inspiration. Do you see how hard that was? So you have to have a five-year, eight-year degree behind your name to figure that out. You just figured it out. It's not very difficult. Bible study was never meant to be held in an ivory tower. It's meant to be held right where you sit. So the act of inspiration demands preservation. And he has preserved all down through history, all of it. Isaiah 30. Come back, look at Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30. Now I know what happens well Rick in the dark ages. Yeah, but see you're reading history written by the guys who won the dark ages who are in control. By the way, who's in control of the world? Satan, prince of power of the air. So who's writing history? The prince of power of the air. What's he want you to know all about that God's word was there and flourished and followed? or 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 no you can't find it. See it's hidden. Do you know that people in the dark ages were not illiterate and were not foolish and not cavemen, oh, me man, you woman, oh, you know, all that. But you read, you, it's not that at all. There's some very brilliant people came out of the dark ages thinking and, 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 and different fields and so forth, okay? Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, verse 8. God talking to Isaiah. He says, now go, write it before them in a table, note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come, well, as long as people take care of it. No, No, forever and ever. What's going to happen out there in the millennial kingdom in the seventieth week of Daniel, future of us, what's going to happen out there when the great white throne judgment shows up and God pulls out the book of Isaiah and says everything Isaiah said just happened and you're guilty? What's man going to say? Well, I never had it and you didn't preserve it. He goes, I sure enough did. It's right here. Say, write it in a book, note it. Come over to Matthew twenty-two. Matthew 22. And again, you can run verses till you're dark or until it's nighttime. I don't want to do that with you. I just want to show you some, a couple things as we think about the issue of preservation. Inspiration. God spoke it. He spoke the words, caused it to be written down, preservation, and then it preserva- preserved out through the multiplicity of copies. If everybody in this room, all, we all have copies of God's word. But if my copy says something different than all of you, who's right? All of you. What do I do? Take this to the fire pit and burn it. See? Multiplicity of copies. Okay? In the Old Testament, he used the tribe of Levi to do it. The priesthood, that was their job. They were to make the copies readily available. Today in the age of grace, you know whose job it is? Our job. It's our job to identify God's word in English, because that's what we speak in this room. By the way, if you speak a different language, what are you going to do? You're going to go find where God's word is in Spanish, German, whatever, and identify it, and off you go. Emily was in France. She brought me back a Bible from France. Guess what language it's in? French. And she's like, now, the guy, I asked the guy if it was King James Close, and he said no or something like that. I don't remember the whole conversation. She can tell you. She's already correcting me. Okay? But see, the thing is, is I don't read French. She does. Okay? By the way, the Bible's really cool, just FYI, because it's old. It's really cool. Anyway. My point is, is wherever language you're in, go find it there. But use some of this, these verses to help you identify it. And that's where the doctrine comes in. That's where the study comes in. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 22. I I read books. I got three bookcases behind me, a lot of stuff on the Bible, inspiration, preservation, all the Greek, all the Hebrew, where everything comes, the history of it, and all this stuff. And you know what? It dawned on me one day, those books are wonderful, well-written. Some of them are. Some aren't so good. But what what does God say about his word? Watch what the Lord Jesus Christ says about this, and then, and I'm going to take him over you. And I apologize if that makes you mad. Matthew 22, look at verse 29. Now, Jesus, he, here, he's dealing with the Sadducees, also the Herodians and, and the Pharisees. And he says in verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of them. Okay? Uh, The power of God, sorry. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But it's touching the resurrection of the dead. Now, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They're sad, you see. They had no resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in anything supernatural. Verse 31. Have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying? And then he quotes Exodus 3, verse 6. Now, notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Verse 29, he's rebuking the religious leaders of Israel. Verse 31. Have ye not read... So what would they need to have to read? A copy of Exodus 3. That which was spoken, there's inspiration, unto you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so on. Okay? So the Lord Jesus Christ, sitting in the moment, in the temple, pulls out Exodus 3 and says, you guys need to go reread Exodus 3 because you're missing it. And what did he call it? He called it Scripture. It's written and preserved. Spoken to you by God. There's inspiration. And what you're reading in the moment in the day, you're reading that which was spoken by God to Moses back there in Exodus 3. Jesus Christ believed and said that Exodus 3.6 is still available to read in his day, A.D. 33, if that's what you need a date, but it's also available for you and I to read today in 2023. The Lord paid attention to the book, Have You Not Read? Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures. Come over to Galatians chapter 3. Watch how critical the word is, Galatians 3. Galatians 3 and verse 16. Galatians 3, verse 16. Watch Paul. Now, I know the Holy Spirit writes it. Paul's the the human author. I get that. But notice something. Notice Galatians 3, 16. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is in Christ. That's Genesis 22, by the way. Do you see how Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, takes and hangs doctrine on the number of the noun, seed and seeds? He hangs it on one letter, S. Was it seed singular or seeds plural? plural. Singular. Got to read the verse. He takes one, the number of the noun, the, the, the uh singular or the plural, and he hangs a doctrine on it. That's how critical this is. You come over to chapter 4 and verse 9. But now after that ye have known God, or rather known of God. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? Unto, uh, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. He actually hangs a doctrine on the voice of the word, Act, active or passive. Which one is it? What's going on? So Paul, come to Acts 22. I, we got to hurry. Okay, Acts 22. So Paul, again, arguing the point. By the way, he's not arguing an idea. Well, the idea of the message is, no, he's arguing the detail, the very word. So the question, where's the word of God, gets answered in two manners. You've got to have the proper text, and you have to have the proper translation. And this is where everybody goes to sleep. Because Greek text, majority text, minority, all that, and the next three hours you're, I put you to sleep, and then I wake you up and we go home. We're not going to do that. Look at Acts 22. The proper text, you have a majority text and a minority text. Majority. All the, the majority of the, of, the, of the text agree here. Minority. Only a few agree here. Which one would you rather be in, majority or minority? Majority. Okay? The multiplicity of them, there they are. Guess where your King James Bible comes from? Majority. Okay? Good? Now. Now translation this is the big one this is where everybody has a fit nowadays because they know they can't argue the text they actually have found some of what they used to claim some of the oldest texts they've actually found them in garbage dumps in garbage cans in, in the in the in the late 1700s early 1800s and all of the philosophers and the floss philosoph- uh philosophers the, all the teachers and everything, the bigwigs, the theologians say, oh, those are ancient way before back over here. And they come to find out they're in Alexandria and they're, and they're more recent than old. So the textual question is becoming a, a mute issue because of some of the things that they've claimed, minority have claimed to be, have been proven in ad, in, uh, wrong. Okay? All right, that's all I'm going to do on that. Translation. Look at Acts 22. When you think about translation, in Acts 22, from verse 1 to 22, Paul speaks to the crowd in Hebrew. Look at 2140, the last verse of chapter 21. And when he had given him silence, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, All the way down to verse 22, and they gave him audience under this word. The word, by the way, is the end of verse 21, the Gentiles. And then lifted up their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from heaven, for it is not fit that he should live. Okay, now think about this. God the Holy Spirit, deity language, goes to the Apostle Paul. Paul in Hebrew language speaks it. Luke recorded it in Greek. And what Luke says in Greek, the Holy Spirit says, is the word of God that Paul said in Hebrew that I spoke over here through Paul. Translating is not a problem with God at all. It's actually, come over to Romans 16, one thing that he demands, if you will. Translating isn't an issue with God the Holy Spirit. By the way, we didn't look at it because of time. Acts chapter 2 when they speak in tongues, and they all hear the, lang- the, the message in their language. One message, spoken, translated into all the known languages of the day, without a problem. See? So translating is not a problem. Romans 16, 26 he says, but now it's made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God. See that commandment of the everlasting God? Made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. If, if the commandment of God is that the faith, the message, the doctrine be known to all nations, what is that going to entail? Some translating. Because not everybody speaks English. Sorry. So if you're going to go into the translating business, you've got to start with the proper text and move that into a language. And by the way, if you know anyone who tries to translate, tries to move English into Spanish or move English into whatever, there's a difficulty in that because uh, they don't all line up the same. See? But you do that. Come over to Mark 1. Just a couple verses and then we'll be done. When you're looking at the translations and you're looking at the text, Paul in 2 Corinthians said, We're not many that do corrupt the word of God. 2 Corinthians 2.17. Okay, You know who the first one to corrupt the word of God is, right? Satan. Satan. Yea, hath God said, Genesis chapter 3. By the way, Eve didn't help him, didn't do any favors. She messed it up too. <laughs> okay? Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, and which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. All right? So, verse 2 is Malachi 3, verse 1. Verse 3 is Isaiah 40, verse 3. Do you know what the New Bibles say in verse 2? as it is written in Isaiah, and then quotes Malachi 3 and Isaiah 40. That's a textural problem, not a translation problem, a textural. Because the text that the New Bibles, i.e. even the New King James Bible, by the way, uses, matches the minority side, and you know what they say? They say Isaiah. So you've got a problem then, don't you? Because either Isaiah, Mark is wrong by saying Isaiah, And then Isaiah is not complete because it doesn't have Malachi 3.1 in it. Nowhere. What's the better text? Majority. Yours, exactly. The prophet said. You see, you can take that verse right there and check Bibles in English. You don't need to have a... Greek degree or a Hebrew degree, you just go in, and when they say prophets, do you know it's from the right text, and if it says uh, Isaiah, you know it's the wrong text. Look over, look, look over with me at Matthew 1, Matthew 1, verse 25, Matthew 1, 25, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Do you see the firstborn? Most of the new Bibles pull that firstborn out, but they got in trouble because people are like, well, we know better. we know it's our firstborn. So you know what they put in? Newborn. That's a textual problem. see. By the way, is the Lord Jesus her firstborn? Yes? Is it a newborn? No. A newborn would indicate what? That she had other children before. And now we have a problem. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm picking these for a reason, and I'll get to it in just a second, and then we'll get out of here because time's up. Luke 2. Look at Luke 2.21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb, and when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to prepare to present him to the Lord. Do you see the days of her purification? All of the new Bibles say their purification. What would that indicate? That the Lord Jesus Christ needed to be what? Purified. But isn't he already the pure Son of God? he so you got an attack happening. Come down to verse uh, 33, verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. What do they all do? Now they call Joseph his father, for his father and mother. See, we got issues. You go to Colossians 1, and what do you got? You got the redemption through his blood. You got blood gone. You go to Matthew 5, uh, come to Hebrews 10. You got Matthew 5. Where they take without a cause, you're angry without a cause out. And then in Mark 5, or I'm sorry, in Mark 3, when he's got righteous indignation against the, what they're doing there, it's without a cause. So if you take without a cause out of Matthew 5, then in Mark 3, you just condemned the Lord Jesus Christ to hell. It's serious. Romans 10. By the way, 1 John 5, verse 7, the greatest verse on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and on the triune Godhead is gone, completely omitted and wiped away. Hebrews 10, verse 7. Hebrews 10, verse 7, I challenge you with this verse. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. You take that verse, by the way, that verse is a quote out of Psalms 40, And you go in and you begin to look at all the verses that promote the Lord Jesus Christ in His birth, in His life, in His deity, and as our Savior. And then you go compare those with the new Bibles, new King James included. And you know what they do? They detract, destroy, tear down the Lord. The only Bible in English today that promotes the Lord, protects the Lord, promotes Him, propagates, the whole bit is your King James Bible, period. If you don't believe me, I got the books, I got the Bibles, we can sit down and I can show them to you, because I sat for three years and did this. Mm -hmm. When I got challenged, that the only reason I use a King James Bible is because my daddy did and told me to. If you know who my dad is, you you understand that. Now, come back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You see, folks, you have a Bible you can trust. Because your Bible, a King James Bible, in the English language, and again, we're not, we didn't talk about italics and all that. We can do that if you'd like, but it, it's, it's, the funniest one is when they pull the slew the brother of, back in Samuel out, Goliath, slew the brother, and they make another guy kill Goliath. And everybody, our kids next door know who killed Goliath. You know, that's a funny thing, all right? Okay. Why is all this important? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 13. You see, folks, we're a people of a book. And for you and I in the English-speaking community, we have God's Word, and it's in a King James Bible. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the Word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Believe what? Believe the Word of God, and when you do that, when you commit to it, and you trust it, and you trust that it's what God says to you and to I, what's it going to do in that verse? It's going to go to work. And if the design of it is to work in you, that belief. So what do you have? You have a Bible you can trust. What are we going to preach from here? A Bible you can trust. Okay? Okay. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have your word. We thank you that you revealed yourself through your word to us. And Lord, I just pray that we can all stand together, knowing that we have your word and that it'll effectually worketh in us that believe. In your name we pray. Amen.